0: But, um, but lots of times, when I get asked by somebody to do something every time I run into them, I don't always want to run into them anymore. Um, when I get asked a lot, that does not necessarily create within me a generous heart. And sometimes I feel like my heart can actually just feel like shutting down and saying, would you just give me a break? Our management team meets on Tuesdays, and I've, what, what, it, what hit us was I feel like we were feeling that way, and if we're feeling that way, we thought maybe you might feel that way, and as we talked about it, we thought, you know what? I think things have been a little overwhelming lately, and so we do have major things that are happening. In fact, like three of them right now, we have you know, this Christmas thing that we're doing, you know, just getting ready to, to say, hey, come on, let's give. We, we have a chance to bless the world just by cutting our Christmas budget by 25%, and let's do that. We have this, you know, the Dream Center that we're very committed to on the west side of the valley, who are helping refugees who come to this country, can't even speak the language, don't have jobs, who are taken care of for a short period of time, and then they're just kind of left to figure things out. And the Dream Center as well is working with the gangs over on this side and the young people who are in trouble, and and the homeless ministry, we have all that kind of stuff. And so we're having this big gala event in February, right? And we're asking you guys... You know, to come on and you, we, let's do this. Let's bless these people. Let's make sure they have everything that they need. And let's get out and get some, you know, auction items and, and, and help make this thing happen. And then we have this build-out. We've got this, you know, we're getting ready to expand. And right now our warehouse is empty and, you know, where people are here all week long. We've got these, like, trifecta of these major things that are going on. I have three children. Have you ever, as a parent, had three children yelling for your attention at the same time? Yeah, you, Mitch, and me. Can you focus on any of them? No. You just want to go, shut up! Right? And, um, and I, I feel like a little bit, we felt like maybe it's hard to even focus on any one of these three things, even though they're really good and they're really important, but it just feels like too much. And if you feel that way, we just want to say, um, we do too. And we apologize because we do not want to be creating within you a heart that feels guilty because you're not doing this or shame or whatever, or just overwhelm this. We don't want to create a culture here where it feels like people can't just dive in wholeheartedly. And we think maybe that's happened a little bit. Now, I do need to share with you that our original thought is that this would have worked better. Our original thought was that we would actually be in that white warehouse for Christmas. That would be in two weeks. That ain't going to happen. Um, but the reason we thought that this was going to happen is because we were hoping that Automated Business Systems, the other business in there, would have been out like six weeks earlier than they, than they got out. So we thought all the build-out was going to happen in the fall, and then we'd be ready by Christmas, and then we could just concentrate on Christmas and enjoy this idea of giving you know, 25% of our stuff to help the world. And then the, the, the gala event isn't until February, so we'll have a new year, and now we'll be able to focus on that next thing. But what we realized was this got pushed back Christmas doesn't move, and the gala event is actually being promoted now, and so we're just having this overload of information. And so we're just going to do better, hopefully. We're going to try in 08 to be thinking ahead a bit more so that we're not having all these big asks going on, but, um, but I do need to let you know, the other reality is these trains have left the building, <laughs> you know? We can't call the trains back, um, so I'm asking if you might consider, um, as a church, giving us just a little bit of grace for, like, this month. Um, after this month, you don't have to give us grace anymore. <laughs> we'll be perfect from then on. Everything will be smooth. No, but, but, but just for this month, because really, by the middle of January, by January 11th, um, well, Christmas will be over. And would you, again, would you consider, again, gathering with your family and just saying, and asking God, hey God, what portion of our budget, what, what do we not need to not give to ourselves? And how could we bless this, this world and the people who really need it? Um, the, the, the second one that maybe is a little more difficult, but is this gala event. You guys, it's, it's happening. You know, the Grand American Hotel is already booked. Some of the, you know, half the tables are full. We're going for it. And so if you could maybe just pray and just say, man, Lord, is there anything that you want me to do? And again, all we're, the main thing we're looking for is to see if we can get friends of yours that you know who just ha- own businesses. Everybody in the community wants to help those who are less fortunate. And if we could just find businesses or, uh, th- who would be willing to give us auction items you know, to be able to hand off, the, that would be awesome. So we'd love to have your support in that. And um, So let's just, let's just keep moving forward. We, we, we are moving forward, but I just felt, um, we felt... as a a church leadership, that we want to say sorry if you felt like you're, you know, plug in your ears when the announcement time came, um, and we're going to do better at that. Okay? We good? All right. That sounded great. All right. Well, let's just move on then. All right. Because here's the reality, guys. We are going to be a church that serves God recklessly. Okay? Okay. We are not gonna be a church that's gonna sit around and not be actively involved in what he's doing, but we wanna do it by following him, not forging ahead. There's a difference, as, as human beings, you can forge ahead of God, and next thing you know, you're doing stuff he didn't even want you to do, even though it looks good. And we're trying really hard not to be that, but I tell you what, as, if you've been here long, you know this, we really believe. There's no way, though, to really follow God and not be actively involved in what he's doing. You're just, it's just gonna happen, because he's always at work. That's why we're doing stuff. And we are always going to be a church that's going to seek to serve each other and to serve the world. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's just a part of who we are. That's why we're here. But we do know this. You can only give what you possess. Is that not true? If you're asked for something and you don't have it, you cannot give it. And if your tank in your heart, if your emotional capacity or your spiritual capacity and your intellectual capacity, whatever it is, not just physical, but your who you are as a person, if that is being seeped out and then you're asked to give of yourself, it, you just can't do it. So this is critical, that you receive more than you give. And, um, and so today, this is really appropriate. The message I'm actually going to, to speak on you today, speak on you, speak at you, to you, all right, that when God touches us, he surprises us. And uh, I think today's message is really appropriate based on the meeting that we had this Tuesday. But before I, before I pray, because I want to pray before we jump in the, the message, would you just close your eyes with me? Would you just humor me for a second? I, if you're like me, usually I sit out there and a guy tells me to close my eyes, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if you just humor me, humor me for a second, just close your eyes, because we're going to pray. But I want you, I want your first gut reaction to this word that I'm going to give you, Okay? God what's your first gut reaction to God and what do you see what do you see when you think of God Father you know what everybody saw and you know what everybody's gut reaction was to you. And my simple prayer this morning is that if anything that people saw in their minds is not true, that maybe today you might surprise them with who you really are. And if any gut reaction was anything less than a sense of love, of either being loved by you or love for you? If there was any fear, anger, whatever, anything that's not of you, I pray that you'd minister today to the reason we have those gut reactions about you. And I pray that you'd surprise us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, last week we started the series, and Christian Klockerscheidt was here from Germany uh, to kick this thing off. And I like how he kind of started off the message by talking about just touch in general. And, and again, if you guys, uh, those of you who've been with us for a while, you've probably heard, heard me share this before. But um, my wife, Susie, her love language is touch. And if you know anything about love languages, it's not only how you feel loved. So Susie feels love if I just go like this. It's really easy in our house. (laughs) Um, But also when it's your love language, it's also the way you like to love people. And so Susie had this deal when we were getting to know each other and, and, you know, getting engaged in early marriage and stuff where she really liked to, like, touch me. Um, My love language is not touch. (laughs) And so, I mean, it was weird to me because there were times when Susie would reach over, you know, and just kind of be going like this, and I'm just sitting there going, just don't, you know, and um, it just would give me, seriously, the willies. Um, now, now I, whoa, it's getting better. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Did you do that? No. All right, um, but uh, um, where was I? Uh, the willies, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's fine, like holding hands or stuff like that. I love it. You guys, you know me. I love to embrace and all that kind of stuff. Back rubs, all over that. But it's that light touch stuff that was just wigging me out. And, I, and when I thought about this message, the whole touch of God thing, I just wondered if, if ever you feel sometimes that when God decides to touch you, you get the willies. And that when you get close to God, it isn't like, oh, but it's like, Ugh. And you get close to him, and you wonder about God, and it's not always a positive thing. And I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how you can't get close to God and not have that happen. Um, maybe some of you have never had that experience. I have. So then I thought, um, my deeper struggle, actually, with Susie, because we, uh, Christian mentioned this too, when we were thinking about the series, God, when he touches you, he doesn't touch you. He, well, he can. He can touch you physically, but he doesn't just touch you physically. God's touch actually goes to your heart. God's touch goes to your soul. He actually renews your mind. He can touch your thinking. He touches the whole part of who you are. Well, you know, I'm looking down here, you know, people who I know, you know, you're close to somebody. So when Susie started to touch me, it wasn't just this. She started to, to touch me here. Enough so that I thought I should marry this chick. Now, But, uh, and again, I've shared this before as well, but for me, my serious dating relationships that I had had before Susie were all pursuit, right, guys? How many of us like the pursuit of a woman? Me and Steve, okay. This is really applicable. But most guys, when you, there's something inside of us that likes to pursue a woman. And, and And I like that too. And what was interesting was that most of the girls I dated had a struggle reciprocating that love back to me, and I actually liked that. It actually made me go more and kept going and kept going. It was very, very unhealthy, actually. There was something weird in me that way. So when I first t- asked Suze if I could kind of, you know, hey, I like you, do you like me kind of thing? What do you think? She's like, yeah, but I, we need to take it really slow. I'm like, good, I like slow, because then we can just go. And, and th- the whole time I pursued her, she kind of held me like this, and that worked for me. I got that. So I'm like, I want to marry that woman because she holds me from a distance. This is good. The week, the week before she's going to fly into L.A. where I'm at, and I'm ready. I got the ring, and I'm going to ask her to marry me. Three or four days before that, she calls me out of the blue. And I, it's too long to go into, but she had this experience with God that made her feel like she finally could give her heart to me. So she gets on the phone, and she's totally different than she ever had been before. And she was just like this, this gush of love pouring out through the phone. And I'm going, ah, I've already got the ring. You know, what do, I, what do I do? And I mean, and then this is, I mean, this, is, and then she started singing to me on the phone. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> over the phone. These Irish love songs, you know. and I, And I remember, you guys, this was so weird because it was wigging me out. And I wanted to say something. And I'm laying on the floor, and if God speaks to you, which I think he does, I really do, God spoke very clearly to me, and he said this, David, shut up. (laughs) Literally, shut up and just receive. I had never had, my mom loved me this way, but I'd never had any other person in my life say this, and wanting to give this to me, and I didn't know how to receive it. And it was wigging me out. And I feel like God just says, shut up. Don't you dare interrupt this moment. This is for you. That's weird. To actually have it be about me. It's okay to be loved. And you guys, I think sometimes God picks up the phone, and he just starts singing Irish love songs to you, and you wig out. And so today's story that I want to share with you, my guess is that most of your reactions to God and most of the things you felt when I said that or who you saw in your mind was probably not this, <laughs> all right? It's a popular story if you're a Christian. If you're new to Christianity, hopefully you'll enjoy this, even if you're old to Christian, hopefully you'll enjoy this. John 13. It was just before the Passover feast. And the Passover feast was a Jewish celebration of when God saved the Israelites um, from uh, from the Egyptians. Um, But it's also what's become our last supper, as we call it, or the Lord's Supper, or communion, which, by the way, we're going to take later today. So this is the setting. Jesus is sitting there, and he's going to have this last supper with his disciples. This is right near the end. This is the end of his life. It says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. So, here he is. He goes, okay, you guys have been hanging out with me for three years now, walking, living, breathing with me, and I'm going to leave. And so, it's really important that I get you ready for the world, (laughs) okay? because as he said, I'm sending you out now, and I'm not going to be here. The Holy Spirit's going to be with you, but that's going to be different for you, and so I've got to prepare you for the world, because I'm leaving. And then he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Or it could be he showed him his love to the end. And What's interesting, you guys, in other context of this, in other books of the Bible, we realize that right during this time, the disciples are arguing with each other about who's the greatest, you know? Hey, who gets to sit in his right hand? Who gets to be on his left hand? Who gets to be really important? <clears throat> and, and Jesus says, you know what, you guys, let me, let me just show you about my love. I'm gonna display what greatness is. It says the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, <clears throat> and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Okay? So here's the surprise. The touch of God is surprises us. In verse four. It says so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, again, for us, we, don't, you know, I, we just had the staff over, our management team over for Christmas dinner, and you know, the last thing I did was take off their shoes and wash their feet. <laughs> okay, we don't do that in this culture. But in that culture, that was the norm. It was, it was the absolute irrefutable thing to do. If you didn't wash someone's feet when they came into their house, that was just, that was, there was no hospitality, hospitality then in, in your mo- movement. And so, but who washed the feet? It was the servant of the house who washed the feet. Now, in that culture as well, it was kind of messed up. Now, the wives would wash husbands' feet. Children would wash parents' feet. But it was never the other way around. And this was just the way it did. In other words, the honored guest never, ever would wash the feet. And so Jesus says, I'm going to show you the full extent of my love. Puts the towel around his waist, wraps himself up, and then he gets down on his knees, takes their dirty feet, because sandals on, you guys remember the summer? Sandals in dirt are yuck. And my, don't raise your hand, but my question to you is how many of you when, you, when I said God, you saw him doing this to you? How many of you saw God Below you, wanting to serve you, and that's what I'm saying. I bet none of you did. Some of you may have you really spiritual ones, but my guess is most of us didn't. And here's what's interesting, because it says another place in Mark, it says, "For the, even the Son of Man did not come to be served." but to serve and to give his life away is a ransom for many. I, I think it's one of the coolest things to me about Christmas. That God was going to enter the world and he came through a peasant woman born in a barn and the only people they told were the low lowlifes of society, the shepherds, who no one would listen to. <laughs> what great fanfare. And I think that God did Christmas that way To show us this part of the very nature of God. I come to serve. I am actually the lowliest. And that's why I'm the greatest. (laughs) Because I get down to serve you. It was so funny. I googled last night just to find. I always do this kind of just to see what our culture says about stuff. So I googled, Jesus serve us. And and you know in Google, when, when you google something and you type it wrong... Right, And then the very third, underneath the line, it says what? Did you mean you know something else? I put Jesus serve us, and it put, did you mean, in other words, that's not right. Isn't that interesting? And what it did say is, did you mean Jesus save us? Which, now, see, we get that part, because that's what we're Christian. Jesus came to save us. But I thought it was so interesting that Google would go, no, 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 Jesus serve us? <laughs> Don't got nothing on there on that. Let's go to the save part. And here's the key, too, you guys is who was he doing this to? He was serving the one who was going to betray him. He was serving the one who, right after this moment, was going to deny him. He was serving all of them who that evening were going to desert him. Isn't that interesting? we got to remember who he was doing this to. And I just think, oh, the love of God. <laughs> the love of God says, you're going to betray me? I will still serve you. You're going to deny me? Let me wash your feet. You all going to run away and desert me in my biggest hour of need? Can I serve you? Come on. please. You know, this is what I've been praying for. Do you know how wacky that is? because it's not human. We don't do that. People do something against us, man, you ain't <laughs> serve you? Are you nuts? You betray me? You deny me? You Man, I'm holding this against you. Not Jesus. So here's the question is, if that is God, And it wasn't just the 12 who got their feet washed, but it's actually a serving. Jesus was trying to help us understand something about his nature. And if today, December 9th, 2007, God, because he comes to serve, wants to serve you, how do you respond? Look at verse 6. So he's doing this to the disciples, and then verse 6, it came to Simon Peter's turn. And Simon said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No. Uh-uh. Not me. Rest of those scumbags, go ahead. Not me. I'm Peter. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You got to love Peter. Well, then... <laughs> Simon said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Let's go for it. And Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. First question here, you guys, though, is for that, that was their component, but what are we responding to? What is this, how does this passage relate to us today? What are we responding to? The first thing Jesus said there, he goes, unless I wash you. Well, Jesus is not going to come and wash our feet today. And he looked, at Peter, he looked at Peter and he said, now later on you're going to get this, okay? Because if every, everything you read about this, what, what Jesus was really doing here was giving an illustration to these guys to understand a deeper thing that was going to happen in like just a couple days. This whole death and resurrection of Christ. All through the scriptures, you will see that Jesus, and I just read it, Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. See, we have this, this issue here that we need to take care of. So Jesus says, I have to wash you. I have to come and actually cleanse you of all your junk. Okay? Not, your feet aren't just dirty. Your heart is dirty. Your heart is not good in and of itself. And this has caused a problem between you and me, between God and us, and between us. Okay? It's why we're messed up with each other. It's why we struggle with each other, because every person has dirt, spiritual junk in their heart. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. So, and later you're going to understand. And that's why I think he says, later you're going to get this, Peter, because I'm going to die for you. I'm not just going to get on my knees and wash your feet, which is already freaking you out. I'm actually going to be willing, as a totally innocent man, to be nailed to a cross, and suffer excruciatingly painful death so that you don't have to. And that's going to be really hard for you to understand. But you're going to get it. And I'm telling you this, Peter. If you don't let me wash you, and this is what he's telling us, you guys. If you don't let me wash you, you can have no part with me. In other words... We got this problem where you don't want to listen to me and you want to do your own thing and you want to live a life that's different than what I ask you to. You just, you've, your heart is bent away from me. And if, and if this doesn't get forgiven, then you and I will never be able to have the relationship that we're created to have. And here's the deal. This doesn't work by you doing things for me. <laughs> that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm dying for you, and I'm asking you to receive me, to receive that cleansing. And that's exactly what it is. You guys, there's no forgiveness. The Bible teaches there's no forgiveness outside of Christ's death on that cross for you and for me. And it also tells us that when he died on that cross, you know what he did? He reconciled us to the Father. Now we can have part of him. And that's what we need. You guys, this is something that you have to receive. And Peter had a real hard time doing this. <laughs> Dude, you ain't washing my feet. And sometimes I think God says, hey, I've done this amazing thing for you. And I think many times we sit there and we go, man, I just, that's just not right. But let me, let me just read for you really quickly Something out of Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all of us have sinned. But the gift is gift. This is great because this is Christmas time, right? Okay? Now, I don't know if you're laboring for your gift, but if you are, that's not a gift. That would be a wage. A gift is something that's freely given to you, and on Christmas morning, you have to do what? You have to receive it. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You guys, when God wants to touch you, he wants to give you a gift. And too much of the time, we're like Peter. You will never wash my feet. Not just my feet, then, Lord, right? But everything. See, one of the cool things about Peter, he's always so close. He's a good guy. He really is. But the first thing he says is, Jesus says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show you now the most important thing. And he gets down and to wash your feet. No, right? Well, what is he doing? See, there's a sense of humility from Peter there. Wait a second, Jesus, you're the master. You don't wash my feet. I'll wash your feet. But see, you know what Jesus is doing? Hey, hey, Jesus, who, wait a second! You're wrong. <laughs> Did you catch that? Jesus always likes to dictate to God how things should be done. Anybody else ever do that in here? <laughs> we all have that tendency. Wait, 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 wait a second! This isn't how this is supposed to work. And we want to tell him how to do it. So then Jesus says, "No way." Uh, later on, you'll get, you'll understand. You know, this—you can't have any part of me if I don't wash you. <gasps> well, well, then okay. Well then, wash all of me. So again, you think Peter's like, yeah, I want all of you, God. But what is he doing again? He's telling Jesus how to do it. Twice, right in the, he's so amazing. Twice in like 10 seconds, Peter gets right in there. He says, I'm the, I'm the one. It's so weird. I get this, Jesus. You, 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 let me tell you how this is going to operate. And we laugh, but we do the exact same thing. We lay down our terms. With God. We dictate to Jesus how it's going to go. We're reluctant to let Jesus do what he wants to do. And we do this to him. And I just want to say, you guys, we can't. We've we, we got to stop being like Peter and telling Jesus how things work. And instead, we need to come and let him be who he wants to be to us. Why? Because in this moment, Jesus was getting the disciples ready for the world. That's what he was doing. And a few things are really important. The first thing that needed to happen for these guys is they needed to know that you got to have your sin cleansed if you're going to really be ready for the world. Because if you want to be ready for this world, you actually want to be with me. You don't want to be out there by yourself in this world. You want to be with me. But if, if we don't get this sin thing taken care of, then I can't actually be with you, and you won't be with me. So if you want to be ready for the world, the first thing that needs to happen is you got to get your sin forgiven so that you can be with me, be with God. And the second thing you guys do is some of you in this room right now, you are so weighed down by your sin. There's so much shame and there's so much guilt. Are you reigning in life? No, man, if you want to be ready for the world, you need to just let all that stuff be taken care of so you can move forward. Forget the past, as as Paul writes, and strain towards what is ahead. And then the second thing, you guys, to be ready for the world, you need the sin cleansed. The other thing that's so cool is God doesn't just forgive you. He actually now cleanses you, which means you have the chance to be like a different person. And don't raise your hand, but anybody want to be a different person? I know. And to be different, to be a better person, to actually be a humble person who does what God says instead of Peter saying, do it this way. No, you just humble yourself. And you actually do what God says. You want to be ready for this world, you guys? Do what God says. Because then God's stuff actually gets done. And you know what the world needs? They don't need our ideas. They don't need our screw-ups and our mess-ups. They don't need our own plans. You know what the world needs? The world needs people that God actually lives through. And our sin needs to be cleansed. If you want to be ready for the world, to really touch the world right around you, Jesus says, you need me. So let me wash your feet. Now, let's go on and and close up this thing. In verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And then he said, do you understand what I've done for you? And this is one of those times where Jesus doesn't actually ask, wait for a response. He goes, I know you don't get it, so let me just keep going on. (laughs) You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, we know these things. We just read it. Jesus makes it really clear. I'm your Lord, and none of you are actually greater than me, (laughs) just to make sure you know that. And I've set you an example of what I've done do now for each other. But I like what he says there at the end. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. See, this is where the church has just not done a very good job. Where we can memorize scripture and we can tell you what Jesus says, but it is actually hard to actually do it. Especially if you think about the people he's asking us to do this with. That would be um, each other. That would be for the people who are going to reject you, and the people who are going to hurt you. That would be for the people who, right around the corner, you know, are going to deny you or turn you in, like Judas did to Jesus. So how do we do this, you guys? Because Jesus says we'll be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed? Okay. You know how that word means happy. Joyful, filled. He goes, you'll be blessed if you do this. Well, how do we do it? Okay, here we go. What did he say? The first thing that has to happen is we must be washed of our sin if we're going to have any part of God, if we're actually going to be able to do this. In other words, what happens is the first thing that has to happen is I have to get God in here. My heart needs to be cleansed. All this junk that lives for me and wants things my way and, and dictates to God how things should go, all that has to leave. If I'm ever actually going to serve you and if you're actually going to serve me, if we're going to serve each other like Jesus serves us, the first thing we need is Jesus okay? because his love is so different than ours. And I need to be able to come to him, before him, and say, I confess my sin to you, my selfishness to you, so that he can wash us, give us his life, and give us a new heart. That's the first thing that needs to happen. There's another thing I love about this passage that I think will help us to actually be able to get out and leave this place and actually serve instead, and that is way back in verse three. I don't know if you can throw verse three back up there, Shannon, but in verse three, it said this. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up. That has always intrigued me. That in verse 3, there's a reason that he actually went down and did this. And the three things it says is he knew where he had come from, he knew where he was going, and he knew he had all power. So what did he do? He got down and he served. He served. And I thought about that, you guys, and I wonder if this could help us. See, because once you let Jesus forgive you, once you cleanse him, once he says, Now you're baptized, that's why we do baptism. Now you're baptized into me. You're in me, I'm in you. We're like this now. In other words, every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. What is Christ's is ours. And so I stop about this and I think this where do we come from? Where's our origin? We believe we are God's idea. We believe we were created. Now, Jesus, we're different than Jesus here, right? Now, don't don't get confused here. Jesus was sent from the Father. That's where he came from. And then Jesus said what? Just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We are actually created. Jesus wasn't created, but we're created. So that's where we came from. And where are you going? I'll tell you where I'm going. I'm going home, it says. Like, this is just like this trip down here. You know, it says we're just passengers passing through, and someday I'm actually a citizen of heaven. This is so temporary down here, and eventually I'm going home. See, Jesus knew that too. He goes, "Shoot, man, in like three days, I'm out of here. And I am going to be back on my throne and reigning, and all this is done. It's going to be finished. And for you and I, we too, we need to remember this is temporary. And someday, man, we are going home. And see, when you know you came from God, that I don't even exist unless God creates me, and then someday I'm going back to him, all of a sudden you kind of get perspective about what this life's about. And part of the perspective is it's not about you. One of the greatest things this does for me is go, wow, this this world actually isn't about me. And then the third thing he says is he knew all things were under his power. Now, all things are not under our power. But check out this. It does say we have incomparably great power for us who believe. It does say that he will strengthen us with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I don't have power, but Christ does, and Christ lives in me. And so that's my power. There is something that I have inside of me that I I shouldn't have to worry about anything. I should be good to go because I'm from God. He created me. I'm going to God. When it's all done, and while I'm here in the middle, I have the power of God inside of me. So, man, I don't need to manipulate anything. I don't need to try to make anything happen. No, I can actually get down and quit trying to make this about me, but make it about him and to make it about you. I think if Jesus cleanses us, he starts to renew our mind to think this way, and our lives can be actually different. And you guys, so my application for you as we close today is this. When you close your eyes and you thought of God, did you see the God that serves you? Did you see the God who actually is the greatest because he's the lowliest? (laughs) Who comes underneath you? Or did you see this angry God or maybe you saw some things of God that are true, too. Did you see his holiness kind of freak you out? Did you see his majesty as the king? Did you see his power and his, right, you know, his righteousness? I mean, all those things are true about God, too. But the other part of God we've got to understand is he's also the God who gets down on his knees and serves you. And he did it through Christ. And if we don't accept his service, we can never actually have any part with him and we'll never live this life like Christ. And so I just wondered, I, I, I think that maybe God this morning, if when he's tried to touch you and you're wigging out, we're going to celebrate communion here to remember that how much Jesus would give up for us, that he would die for us. We're going to remember that time. And I just wonder if some of you, if the thought of God serving you and, it is, and you're, you're still like Peter and it's wigging you out, I wonder if God just needs to say to you this morning, shut up and receive. Quit telling me who I am. And let me tell you who I am. Let me do this for you. Stop, telling, stop, stop setting the agenda for our relationship. Because some of you in here, you still feel like you aren't doing enough for God. And some of you feel like there's no way God could love me because of what I've done. I'm telling you, that's not the voice of God. You need to let him touch you and let him get you ready for the world. Because I'm telling you, if you receive him, Susan and I were sitting there, I know some people who were thinking through this day, and they literally thought, oh my gosh, if Jesus got on my feet, that just, they they couldn't handle that thought. Susan and I sat there last night and we were just imagining, I, I, don't, I don't say this out of pride at all, but I'll be totally honest with you. F- I think, I'm being honest, if I was sitting there and Jesus actually knelt down to wash my feet, I think after 20 years, I'd let him. You know why? Why? I need him to. I know how messed up I am. I know how broken this heart, how selfish this heart is. And I know that if Jesus doesn't love me that much, I don't have a shot at being anything like him. And after 20 years, I think I finally started to believe that Jesus really does give mercy to those who need mercy. And he really does give grace instead of demanding. And I've received it. And when I receive it, it helps me give it. So, all the way back to what I started with today. Here we are at church. We're trying to do so many things. And man, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I apologize again for that. But can I just say, you guys, don't serve K2. Don't do it for us. Oh, God, you'll always burn out. But if you sit before Jesus and you let him serve you, somehow something's going to rise up within you. And when he says, now I gave you an example, you go do the same thing. You're actually going to have it in your heart to give. So, Bam, why don't you guys come forward? And as we take this communion, how cool for us this morning to remember the Last Supper, to remember that as we do this this bread and as we do this juice, that it's the same bread on this very night when Jesus got down and washed their feet and showed them the full extent of his love. It was on this night where he said, "Now." You're going to understand this later because what this washing is really about is this bread, which is representative of my body that I'm going to totally give for you. And this cup that you're going to drink is representative of my blood, which I'm going to shed for you. And then Jesus said, and I'm telling you guys, remember this because you're going to be so apt to start working for me again. And you're going to get so apt to thinking that you've got to do all this stuff for me and you're going to go so probably be like Peter and say, no way, God, you can't do that for me. I'm going to do this for you. When you take communion, would you remember what I've done for you? And would you let me serve you today? And for some of you in this room, that is very surprising because you certainly don't feel like Jesus would serve you I'm sure Peter didn't feel that way either after he denied him. I'm sure the other ten didn't feel like that after they deserted him. doesn't matter. You are loved. loved. And why don't you take this, and and you guys can just do it. The the ushers are going to pass this out. You just grab it. You, You hold this, and whenever you feel ready, you just sit before God and you say, Jesus, thank you for serving me. I receive the gift of your life for me. Just receive it. Bask in it. Believe it. Just like on Sunday morning, you guys, when you give that gift to the person you love, what do you want them to do? You want them to open it up and go, thank you. The last thing you want to hear on on Christmas morning is, oh, you shouldn't have. You know, that false humility stuff. Oh, you know, don't. You know, I can't receive this. As a giver, that's the last thing you want to receive. So as you take communion, receive it. Bless his heart. He gave his life for you. Receive it so you can give now your life for others. He's trying to make you ready for the world so that we can serve them in the power of God. It's a very cool thing. Let's do it together.